This episode is brought to you by The Park 5, located in Sandy, Utah, at 10710 South State Street. The Park 5 is amazing because you can pop in for a cookie, a freaking delicious cookie, to be honest with you. <laughs> a dirty Diet Coke, dirty Dr. Pepper. If you don't know what that is, mention that you heard about it on the NBA Real Talk podcast, and they will hook you up with a discount. Amazing brownies, scones. I don't don't get me started on the scones. They will get you fat, but they are freaking delicious. Melt in your mouth. Go to the Park Five, mention this podcast, get a discount, and enjoy it because it's the best snack shack around. And we literally go there every single day. It's fast, quick, convenient, and delicious. Love the Park 5, 10710 South State Street. Super easy to get to, convenient. Love it. Go to Park 5. Guys, welcome in. Super, super excited about the mailbag edition. The first ever mailbag edition. We've got a bunch of questions from listeners all over the country. Super appreciative of everyone who sent those in. And and, and again, just everyone for listening. Um, So let's take it away. Yeah, let's get right to it. Again, we had to weed out some of the questions. Some of you that asked 10 or 12, you know, we'll limit it to maybe one or two per person that we'll actually address. But we do want to let you all know that we are grateful um, for your loyalty and listening to this podcast. And yeah, we're going to take it away and we are going to give it to you real as always. So, first question is from Chris Williams from Alamosa, Colorado. Okay, well, this is a pretty straightforward question. Who is the best pure scorer in the league right now in your eyes? I mean, take it away. I mean, James Harden. No question. James Harden is doing, I mean, Clay Clay Thompson's, putting up all of those numbers, being assisted on every field goal, where James Harden is not getting assisted on anything. He's playing one on five, creates everything himself. You may not like his style of play. A lot of fans hate it. And they go, oh, well, you know, he just flops and he's shooting 24 or five free throws a game. So what? He's a professional scorer. He's a master of drawing fouls. If you're not square defensively, he'll make you pay. He has one of the dirtiest step backs ever. And sometimes it's multiple step backs. Yeah. Step back, step back. Step back, step back again. But James Harden is an absolute killer. And again, we're talking pure score. We're not just saying best one-on-one player where defense is involved. We're talking just as far as his package of, of moves, his counter moves, any different way he can score. He, he, he'll kill you offensively. He is absolutely the best scorer, pure scorer in the league right now, hands down. 100%. Next question. Ooh, this is a juicy one because it's going on right now. It's about Anthony Davis. This is from... This is from... Jamal Berry from Memphis, Tennessee. So, Anthony Davis. 
what is his true trade value and should LA trade the whole team for him? Okay, easy, easy answer. Almost as easy as the James Harden one. Um, Yes, they should. Uh, They should trade literally anyone outside of LeBron James for Anthony Davis. Anthony. What if they traded for LeBron James? That would really, I mean, it would never happen, but that would really shake things up. That would shake things up. Okay, so uh, Anthony Davis is absolutely worth almost any player in the league. You, tr- you trade the entire, if you're L.A., you trade the entire farm. You get rid of Ingram, you get rid of Ball, Hart, Kuzma, Rondo, Stevenson. And you don't think twice. And you say, take them all. We're not looking back. If you're teaming up with LeBron, your MO is to win now. This is how you do it. Even though Golden State is, I mean, trying to take them down or even put a theoretical team together to take them down is going to be tough. But this is your best shot at doing it. You have to. So, well... With Anthony Davis, though, not just L.A. So L.A., right. absolutely, yes. If they're willing to deal them to you, you give them everything they're asking for. You, you, I mean, you sell your soul to the devil for this deal. But what other market could make it work for him? Because he's he's been adamant about he wants to go to a contender. He'll take yeah. He'll take less money for a chance to to get a ring, what do you see happening? So he, he could sign five years, $240 million next summer, right? But he's not going to do it. Let's agree that that's a lot of money. That's a, let, let, let us agree on that. So he's not going to do it. But at the same time, like Memphis or some of these teams, they're not going to make a tr- even make a pitch because they know he's not going to re-sign. So the one other team I wanted to ask your opinion on is – Boston. Now they can't trade for him now because Kyrie has the same contract. You can only have one of them, but come summertime, it'll be a new contract for Kyrie and they can make a trade for him. So what are you willing to give up if you're Boston? Same thing. Everyone, everyone, everyone. So everyone, if you want AD, you got to put everyone on the chopping block. Okay, so are you assuming Kyrie is re-signing there, or are you? I don't care. I'm, I'm giving. I'm giving everyone and their dog and their grandma and their sister. So for eighty, would you do this trade? If I'm who? Uh, yeah, give, if, give if me you're Boston. Scenario. So, Jalen Brown, gone. See ya. Bye bye. Right, Mark. You got so Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and then two future first round picks all day. I would too. Hey, hey, throw Gordon Hayward in there. I don't know shit hey, about him. Hey, hold up. <laughs> hold up. Hey, New Orleans ain't trading for Gordon Hayward. So That yeah, dude is the sixth a, highest paid player in the absolutely league. Absolutely, I make that deal. Yeah. Because you still have tools, and Brad Stevens is no dummy. He gets the most out of players. And you still have Kyrie? Absolutely. Yep. I, I mean, I'm all in on that. But basically, the answer to that question is... But... I don't really see that team being way better than 
what he has in New Orleans right now with Drew Holiday, because I think Drew Holiday is incredibly underrated, but you're going to a bigger city, bigger market, more exposure. You have a coach that's literally a witch. The guy's right. a genius. So absolutely, I make that deal without ever looking back. I don't necessarily think that would make the most sense for AD. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, I'd make, I mean, that, I'd make that deal all day. You're, you're still running a team out of. I mean, you hope Gordon Hayward's better after another year uh, off that injury. You got Al Horford. Um, you got Rozier. I mean, you do still have some pieces. You're probably a little better than they get the most out of Morris. You know, Morris. So I think. Yes. I think. Absolutely, you make that trade, and AD helps your team in so many different ways. No-brainer. To answer that question, yes, you sell your soul. You do whatever you can to get AD. He's a legitimate superstar that puts up real numbers. On both sides of the ball. He he changes the game so many different kinds of ways. He's not just a scoring machine. And if he plays with, man, just thinking of, with LeBron and him and thinking about those two in LA, that's scary. I mean, how the crazy thing is LeBron has never really had someone that he can just lob to nonstop. Yeah. Right? Like Kevin Love just never was that guy. Chris Bosch was never that guy. So I I like the idea of it. Do I actually see it happening? I don't know. My prediction is actually, you know, the trade deadline's gonna be very underwhelming for us. And that would be a bummer. But Absolutely, give up whatever. If you're if you're LA, like give up part ownership of the franchise to New Orleans too. Yeah, hey, give up Jack Nicholas. Give, yeah, give, give him the whole team and the cure for AIDS magic because it's worth <laughs> it. It's got to happen. It, my my last tangent question on this, and yes. I, I, I want to hear your take on this. So if Clay leaves and signs with the Lakers, and let's say the Warriors are otherwise intact, if you're putting Braun, AD, and Clay together. It's a wrap. Are they not thumping the Warriors at that point? When... Assuming the Warriors are the same, just without Clay. Yeah, I mean, maybe they pick up a, a. I mean, I mean, look at it like this: when it was, when it was LeBron, when it was LeBron against Golden State last year in the finals. He put up the most heroic effort in a loss that I've ever seen. So they're scared to death of LeBron, regardless of who else he's playing with. You put a guy that can catch and shoot anywhere, that spreads the floor, opens things up for LeBron, you can't help off Clay because he'll make you pay. And then ADs do, I mean... Absolutely, I think that yeah. they're they're you know they're they the, dethrone the warriors. They're the, they dethrone the warriors. But again, you can't take anything away from guys like you know Steph and as sensitive as KD is. That guy's a superstar, man. I hate the fact that he's in Golden State because he would stand out anywhere. But he's a player. He's unblockable. I mean, and, it's interesting. And that was one of our questions too. I forget who the, the... okay so. So, yeah, from this guy, Dallas Timms from Billings, Montana, he asked about, he said, hey, what do you guys think about KD? Is he a true superstar or not, and why? 
And does joining Golden State hurt his legacy? What do you think? So, 100% true superstar. As much as I hate KD and I think he's a snake to answer your other part of the question, um, it does hurt his legacy. I mean, if he were to have carried a team so to say, the finals. So say OKC ended up beating that 73-9 and nine team, right? That's that's legit. That That's when you go, wow, that was huge. But think about it like this. Seriously, and I'm not being dramatic here, over-exaggerating. Yeah. The Patriots drive us nuts because they always win. They're always good, Yeah. right? So just imagine putting, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Odell Beckham Jr., Khalil Mack, and Jalen Ramsey on the already Patriots and paying a premium for all of those players and acting like, they did it on their own. Yeah. That's that's the way I look at it where I go, what are we even talking about? Two of your stars could be injured and you guys should still win it. That's what's so you have to me. You have seven players on that roster that have scored over 30 points this year. I mean, Boogie off the bench doesn't even sweat and has 25 and 18. It's, it's disgusting. So, but getting back to KD... Katie's absolutely a superstar. Does it hurt his legacy? I think so. Because when I look at championships, I look at someone like I look at someone like Dirk, who beat LeBron, D. Wade, Bosch, that um short man, Eric Spolstra. <laughs> you know, but that was a team, and Dirk literally played like an MVP that entire series. You know, I look at players where basically who they're stacked up against, who they have on their team, you know, and KD's championships in my mind are the weakest by far because I think they still win those titles without KD. They won 73 games. The best regular season without him. The best regular and, season record in NBA history. And, and KD's up 3 1 in a series to them. He, they end up blowing that, blowing that lead, losing, and next year he goes, oh, I'm going to join that team. I'm going to join the Yankees. I'm going to join the Patriots. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Do I hate him for wanting to leave OKC? No. No, because who wants to play with Westbrook? Yeah, player mobility is a too. good thing, but go to any other franchise but the 73-9 and nine Warriors. All right. But still, hey, hey what does KD do well? He's unblockable. The guy can freaking stroke. He's a scoring champ, can hurt you in so many different ways. He's incredibly smooth. I'm with you, uh, but I don't want to talk about KD anymore, if I'm being real with you. Okay. So, next yes, question. He's a, yes, he's a superstar. Yes, he's a That's superstar. That's a stupid question. Hey, but of we love you, uh, Dallas Timms, or whatever your name. We love you. Thank uh, you. All right, so this one I like a lot. So... Jimmer Fredette, okay? So Jimmer Fredette was one of the most exciting college basketball players ever. Jimmer Mania, it was crazy. So we've got a question a question from Morris Anderson from Rochester, New York. And Morris says, look, Jimmer Fredette is a freak. That dude can play. But why can he kill it in China... In the TBT tournament, 
set records at BYU and not find a single NBA roster to play on? Look, first of all, and I'm going to let you take this one, but I want to say one thing. Um, I couldn't care any less than I do right now or at any point in my life about BYU basketball. I do not care. They, but they try so hard. They're Jimmer, trying to be good. Dude. When Jimmer was balling at BYU, Every, I was a fan. Everyone was on the like BYU was officially on the map. People are like BYU, like what's like where did they come from? But it, he was must watch TV. Absolutely, that's the best way to and, put and it. And this is a guy; so he leaves his apartment, he's in range. Yeah. This this is a dude that. So funny story, when they had the NBA lockout, he was still working out in Provo, and he and I actually hooped together a little bit. And one day, I just see him in the it's called the Smithfield House. He's getting up shots, and he's rebounding for himself. And I just go, hey, I'm going to throw you 100 threes. Let's see how many you can get. He's going from spot to spot. So he's going from wing to wing, from the top of the key from three. College three, mind you. Just guess how many he hit. Just guess. Somewhere in the 90s is my guess. He hit 94 three-pointers out of 100. Okay, hey, most people can't hit, most great shooters practicing can't hit 94 free throws out of 100 with no one guarding them, no no pressure, just practicing. He is moving. So, anyways, I mean, I could go on for days about what a unique skill set he is. I will say this about Jimmer. Love the dude. I think he is an incredible talent. My only beef with Jimmer is this. Jimmer is ball dominant, and Jimmer has to have the ball in his hands to score. Has to. He's not a J.J. Redick type where he's coming off of picks. He knows how to curl and flare out and space, and his feet are always ready and set to shoot. He gets all of his momentum off of creating creating off the dribble and which isn't a bad thing but the NBA game isn't going to cater to like there's not a single franchise that's going to say it's the Jimmer show no you 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 do your thing right so Jimmer if you want to play in the league because we look at that all the time hey why couldn't he play in Utah why couldn't he play in LA where no one can shoot couldn't, yeah. couldn't San Antonio work? Holy hell, Chicago is the worst team in the NBA. New York is just a dumpster fire. Couldn't he put up big numbers there? I, yeah, I think he could. I think he could score a lot. But do you want a guy that's not really a true point guard handling the ball all the time? Not saying he can't set up other guys. He's looking to set himself up, but he has to do it with the ball in his hands, and he's kind of slow and methodical because he's not a freak athlete. He's not a Westbrook. He can't just bulldoze guys. He's not quicker. I mean, that guy can hurt you in so many different kinds of ways, but it's not his game is not tailored for the NBA as much as I wish it was. I agree. I just, I feel like if he were a little more willing perhaps to say, you know what? I need to mold my game. Pick a player. You mentioned JJ Redick. 
be JJ Redick. Hey, you're J- that you're Jimmer. You can you can sh- you can shoot better than anyone. Learn from a guy like JJ because JJ doesn't have handles, but he knows that as long as he's moving, he's a threat, and his feet are always set, ready to shoot. Jimmer, you've got to figure something. You can't expect, you can't go into San Antonio, and I have actually heard this from an NBA scout that was with the Bucks. You know, I, I wish this weren't true. Yeah. That Popovich is, you know, how Popovich is, how he's kind of unique and everyone has to fit in his system. And Jimmer goes, well, in college I did this. In college, everything ran through me and I had the ball. And Popovich is like, are you shitting me, dude? Everyone on this team was a freaking all-star in college. And everything ran through them. That's why they're in the NBA. This is a big boy league. I'm not going to run it through, run every possession through you because this is how you did things at BYU. I know you can play, but if you can't prove yourself on defense, and by the way, he plays defense like a middle school girl, you know, which, and is that effort? I don't know, but Jimmer, you've got to be willing to adapt to a system only dysfun- only a dysfunctional franchise would buy in on you right now and say, do your thing. So it doesn't work as much as we want to see him be successful. His game is tailored for China where, you know, interesting thing in China, uh, I want to say it's Pierre Jackson that played at Notre Dame. There yes, was, and then OKC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so there was one game where Jimmer... Um, Jimmer went off and scored like 75 points and Pierre Jackson scored 63 points in China. Funny thing is Chinese dudes are guarding both of them, right? They don't guard each other. So they put up these crazy numbers, but who are they doing that against? And on those teams, everything runs through them. I mean, I want to say J.R. Smith scored 90 points in a game when he played in China for like a quick stint. So... Players play, Jimmer, we love you, but unless you can mold your game, don't expect a franchise to just cater to your every need and make you the star. Clearly, it's not going to happen. It's not realistic. Could you help a team? Absolutely. But that's on you, bro. You got to figure that out. Okay, so next question. Okay, this is a fun one. So... From Dan Reynolds from Albuquerque, New Mexico. He said, guys, I love your pod. It's hilarious. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate that. Who are the best players you have ever played against personally? And what stories do you have that you can share with us? Jordan, take that away. Okay, so obviously I haven't played in the league or anything like that, but... In high school and college, I've played against some some top-notch talent. And then in these pro-am leagues, there are a lot of European pros that are stout. And those guys are dialed, okay? But let's... So I'll go, I'll go through, just off the top of my head, J.R. Smith. Played against J.R. Smith in high school. He played at St. Benedict's Prep from New Jersey. Literally every player on that team was a legitimate D1 starter. Um, 
you had players that played started at. I mean, J.R. Smith, if I remember right, was like the seventeenth pick. That two thousand four draft class, if I remember right. So, and that he he was one of the last players to get drafted before they made you go to college for the one and done. So that team was so good, it was sickening. But I remember picking his pocket. I remember picking his pocket and then going up for a layup and him pinning me off the glass and he yells, cookies, as he steals it from me. And I just remember being terrified like, I was literally 30 feet ahead of you. Where did you come from? Just a freak athlete, literally built the same way he is now when he was 16, 17 years old in high school. So another funny thing about him is I remember that same game. He shoots a three from like 10 feet behind the high school three-point line. And then the funny thing is J.R. Smith, he w- you could tell he was so good, but he never looked like he cared. He had like 17 points. Shocker. But... Yeah, you know, he was he was probably smoking a bowl before tip off. No doubt. But he hits a deep three and gets down and starts doing push ups. And like we've already inbounded the ball going the other way. He's doing push ups. He's like, Yeah, son. Yeah, son. And then I'm just like, Wow, this is, you know, a whole different level. So that's J.R. Smith. Played against Monte Ellis. Playing against Monte Ellis, we literally would play like a two three zone because he could not shoot at all. Like, not even in the slightest. But he was so smooth, he could find a way to score at will and ended up having, like, 37 points in three quarters. And the thing is, like, there there are guys that, like, like I, I'm a guy that I pride myself on. I'm going to play the right way. I'm going to do what it takes for our team to win. And deep down, I feel like, you know, hey, I've got game. Until I play against a guy like Monte Ellis and go, you know, I picked the wrong sport. I need to play field hockey or ping pong or freaking polo, whatever white guys play, because this is not the sport for me. So they're just specimen. You know, there's a different breed. So played against Jimmer for that, actually. We were talking about Jimmer earlier. And that is a guy that literally does not miss and is so crafty at using his body He's just hard to stop. You give him a foot, he's shooting it every time. He will never hesitate. And Jimmer's not a freak athlete. He's as athletic as anyone listening to this podcast. You know, drinking a freaking 100-ounce Pepsi from your local Chevron. You're as athletic as Jimmer. But Jimmer takes what you give him. And it's terrifying to defend a guy that can shoot from anywhere. on. Like, he, he crosses half court. And everyone yells, shoot it! You know, it's kind of terrifying when you're defending a guy like that. Because you go, well, hey, I'll just be physical. You know, I'll have a hand in his chest. I'm not even going to let him bring it up to to shoot it in the first place. But he gets low and gets by you. He can draw a foul. He can shoot from anywhere on the court. The guy is a freak. So, Leon Powell, you may not remember him. He played at Oakland Tech. So... You know, he came out to Utah for a tournament that was called the Ragu Classic way back in the day. And he was a power forward that was just thick. He was just someone that could be playing, you know, D-end in the NFL, it felt like. And this was a guy that could literally get 30 rebounds a game just because he knew how to use his big butt and box out. So, 
a guy like that was really open, like eye opening to me played against. So I lived in Vegas for a summer and played against Marcus Banks. I don't know if any of you would know that name. He bounced around in the league, played for Boston, played for Phoenix. He had a stint at, well, he played at UNLV and he loves Vegas and he he's back there all the time. You like, he's always at the Red Rock, but out in that Summerlin area, I would play pickup with him all the time. And I would always play him one-on-one, always. And for an entire summer, I probably played him 70 times. And he never once let me beat him. There were some games where it was 8 to 11, you know, 7 to 11. I think one time I lost 10 to 12, you know, because you have to win by two. But this is a guy that's literally my height and build, but so talented and this was a guy that kind of has that competitive nature where hey look I know you feel like you can play but when I turn it on I'm next level and I'm going to shit on you and that's what it was like but I feel like playing against better players like that is when I improved the most even though I was getting the crap kicked out of me every time I played him I got better and I'm more confident in my game because you can't get away with bad habits when you play against someone that's a lockdown defender and someone's as talented as he is. So let's see, who else can I, th- oh, CJ Miles. He was a Texas kid, skinny, skinny in high school, but just super long. CJ Miles was tough. OJ Mayo was the real freaking deal. I want to say he was a sophomore or even a freshman when I played him in high school. I want to say he was a few years younger than me. Same thing, skinny, but a guy that can get to the rim. We'd play, it's like, OJ Mayo can't shoot outside, so we play a 2-3 zone, pack it in. We literally have all five players in the key, and we're like, please, don't let him shoot it. Please, please. Or, I mean, please don't drive on us. Please don't drive. And, like, he would find a way. We'd be in position to take a charge. He's slippery. He'd get around us and finish. He was tough. Um... So those are some of the players that come to mind. You know, honestly, some of the toughest guys are just D1 players that just really work hard and they're smart. Uh, One of my best friends, Nick Covington, played for the Jazz Summer League team. He bounced in and out of the D League. You know, he coaches kids locally. Playing with better players makes you better. And he's someone that, I really appreciate for my game because he's always pointed out weaknesses that I have so I can actually get better. Because he'll say, look, you're not a slouch. You can make plays. You do a lot of good things, but this is your problem. And a lot of the time, it's not being aggressive enough. And Spence, we've played with Nick. When he's aggressive and goes at it, it's silly what he can do. It's a different level. It's, it's, It's just different. And then one quick story, Ronnie Price... Ronnie Price is, so he went to Utah Valley, what was it, Utah Valley, not community college, Utah Valley, uh, whatever it was. CC, wasn't it? UVCC, yeah. Yeah, so anyways, community college yeah, so, he, so he went to Utah Valley, he averaged like 25 a game, gets picked up, because he, he led college basketball and scoring, bounced around from a few times, from a few teams, played it, played for Utah Played in Phoenix, Sacramento, went to OKC, got cut from OKC. 
So he's back here in Utah playing, and I always pride myself on I always want to guard that guy and, like, go at him. So a couple of years ago, we're playing in this pro-am, this pro-am tournament. In Utah, and you have a lot of you have a lot of European pros. You have some ex NBA guys playing, and we're playing against Ronnie Price's team. And I have a great first half. I probably have twenty three points in the first half. Miss one shot. I'm I'm cooking out there, and I'm feeling good about myself. And I start to get a big head. Okay, I'm starting to think, damn, I'm on their level. I'm a player. Funny thing, Ronnie Price flipped the switch that I don't have, but obviously he had it, where not only did he deny me the ball the entire second half, I worked so hard to try to get a catch, and I touched the ball maybe three times in a 20-minute half, right? And I was cooking in the first half. Things were running through me. He won't even let me get a catch. He's denying me so hard. And he, he would say things like, as long as you don't touch the ball, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about anything else. He's like, I'm in your head. I'm in your head. And I'm just like trying to shake him. But I'm like, no, you're in my head. Leave me alone, you bully. And I'll never forget this. I finally get the inbounds play under our own hoop. And I'm just trying to – and I'm always confident with the ball, right? I'm going to – like I'm just – I'm never worried. I could not pass half court with him guarding me. I couldn't get to half court. I think I called a timeout. That's how pathetic it was, you know. So, all in all, those are probably the best players that I've played against. I still play against some really good players right now. Tim and Terrence Drizzum are good dudes. They're just yeah, some local guys. I love hoops. I just have such a respect for guys that are at that next level. Because no matter how much work I put in, no matter how bad I want it, yeah. I'm not there. There's something to say for God-given talent. Yeah. So. Good question. That was a great question. So, question for you, Spencer, that is actually interesting. So, this is about the playoffs. Okay, so this is from Doug Peterson from Las Vegas. And he said, should the playoff format be changed? Doug, my man. 100 percent let's knock off this east west crap where a team in the east who has a barely a 500 record gets into the playoffs and meanwhile you have three or four teams in the west who have above 500 records played in a much more difficult conference don't get in i just hate that it's time to change that i would do one through 16 and I'd love to see a five-game first-round series just to make it more interesting. Um, and then from there, uh, I would do the Bill Simmons Entertaining as Hell tournament where you take all of the future lottery teams, you put them in a tournament, and the winner of that tournament makes the damn playoffs. That's ba- that, that's kind of the, the general idea, but Google... Bill Simmons entertaining as hell tournament. Uh, I I think that's where it needs to go. Uh, Good question. Do you have anything to add on that? Not really. You covered it. The playoff format, the thing thing that's hard about the NBA is in a seven-game series, the best team's going to win. Unless you're plagued with injuries, like that one year D-Rose 
had that breakout season, he gets hurt. Joakim Noah's not getting the job done for you, okay? But a seven-game series, the best team is going to win. I don't know how you would structure it, but the reason March Madness is so cool is put up or shut up. You have one game. So if you're not dialed, if you haven't done your homework, if you haven't gone over your scouting report, you're in trouble no matter who you're playing against. But NBA, obviously it's a business, money, everything. I like the playoffs. It's the most exciting time of the year. Playoffs are the greatest, right? Playoffs are they're the best. But why are teams with losing records creeping in? And I agree with you. Just just Google the Bill Simmons entertaining as hell bit and you will be You'll love it. Yeah, you'll I guarantee lo- it. Because it's at least mixes it up to where it keeps it intriguing. So it's not the same old year year after year. Okay, what are some other questions? Okay, so um one I got from Steve P in Boulder, Colorado. Will defense ever win championships again? That's a good question, but this is not the this is sorry, this is not the eighties, okay? This is not the eighties where hard nosed defense, you know, roundhouse kicking players to the face, throwing haymakers, bad boys pistons. I feel like that can help. But the game's changed so much. The three-point line literally has changed the game so much. Yeah. And a few good shooters where you just outscore the other team. Defense is important. You got to have someone that can impact the game on the defensive end. But if you can't score, you can't win. And that's really apparent when you watch LeBron when he played in Cleveland. And he defers to Jeff Green, Jordan Clarkson. Rodney Hood, George Hill, I mean... Larry Hughes. Yeah, you just... <laughs> Mo Williams, Pavlovich, Zidrunas Ilgalskis. <laughs> you know, you, you, have the, you have guys like that that can't put up numbers offensively. You can't win. You, ju- you just can't. So, I mean, does that sum it up? That sums it up. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that take. Um, Jason D. in Newark says... Thank you guys for actually keeping it real. Um, thank you, Jason. My question is, should the NBA add a four-point line? Seriously? Look, that's a quick answer. Nope. Hey, let's play basketball. No, no hell no. Like, this isn't a freaking carnival where you win tickets. This isn't an arcade game. Okay? The game is already amazing. There are actually a few things we would like to change from the game already rather than add more gimmicky rules. Yeah, and we did pod about that. And and lastly, this isn't the big three. Okay, look, that's fun to kind of tune into on Fox every once well, the, in a while. The ABA tried to implement the the four the four pointer, like the four point play. If you steal it steal the ball in the backcourt and come down and hit a three, it's worth four points. And guess what? Scorekeepers couldn't keep track of that. They that's, were confused. it's just it's that's what, let dumb. me ask. Let me ask you. What's this guy's name? Uh, that was Jason. In okay, Newark. so Jason, let me ask you this: Where would it be? Half court? Right. I mean, sure, that's cool. If someone, well, the thing we've talked about in the past: Why aren't guys ever shooting it past half court? 
because they don't want it to hurt their field goal percentage. Right. I mean, it could make it intriguing, but all in all... It's already damn intriguing. It's, it's pretty sweet right Let's now. Let's not mess with Let's it. Let's not mess with it. Okay, uh, next one, Jesse H. in Corpus Christi. Um, love the pod. What's your take on all By the way, thank you for saying you love the pod. We're doing this for fun. We just, like, this is therapeutic for us. And anytime we get props at all, it makes us feel good. So thank you for that. No doubt. Uh, what's your take on All-Star Weekend? I, look, I'm going to start with this. Ugh. I hate the All-Star game itself. There's no defense. It's not freaking basketball, plain and simple. Have you ever watched the All-Star Challenge? Ugh, even worse. Like the... The like the skill challenge. Hey, let's throw. Who's, hey, let's throw basketballs through a tire. This isn't CrossFit. No, we're not doing that. Who freaking cares? Uh, look, the three-point shootout is. It's a. It, the, okay. It's okay, but it's still boring. And, and look, the dunk contest. Every once in a while, you'll get an exciting moment, but it's mostly just a bunch of missed dunks. And stuff that's already been done before. So I, I'm I mean, just, I'm I mean, out. if if Dwight Howard has to put on a cape, then <laughs> I, I that's just, an indi- that's an indicator that you can change the channel. Look, I just threw up in my mouth. So next question. Uh, let's see here. Um, hey, here's one. This I'm not sure how much you're gonna like this one, uh, Jordan. I'm gonna direct this one at you. Great, Justin. S in Salt Lake. Okay. And I'm going to read this word for word. Seems like you guys know your stuff, but why are you so hard on these players? They're the best players in the world and they have feelings. Where's the positivity? Don't you think they'd be offended if they listened to the podcast? Do you want me to be blunt? I mean, let's keep it real. Fuck their feelings and fuck that question. Hey, this is NBA real talk. Okay, we're not anyone's therapist. We're calling it how we see it, and we're keeping it real. And if these guys are the best in the world, then you need to be prepared to be criticized and evaluated because that's literally what every fan does. So... Moving on, we're not talking about feelings on this podcast ever again. Yeah, that's a snowflake question. Hey, thank you, but no thank you. Okay, last question that I wanted to get to today um, is from Tom T. in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Loving the pod, who are your favorite and least favorite game commentators or analysts on NBA, TV, TNT? TNT and uh, ESPN. Okay, I know I know you're going to have some good ones. I do have to say this. Some people are hard on Bill Walton, and I know he's not doing a lot of it anymore. But Bill Walton to me was hilarious because I'll never forget what he said about Robert Ory, okay? Google this. Robert Ory hits that huge shot in L.A. against Sacramento, right? You remember that? Yep. Big shot Bob, and... After that shot goes down, I remember listening, and Bill Walton says verbatim, 
Robert Ori is a master of the game of basketball and a master of the human spirit. (laughs) (laughs) And I just go, whatever you say, Bill. Okay. Great. Let, let, let me pump the brakes on. And that I'm pretty one. sure he was wearing a tie-dyed shirt. He so literally, he still does the tie-dye shirt. So I was watching, and and I was one of maybe 14 people to watch the Oregon Oregon State Civil War basketball game a few weeks ago. Civil War, huh? Bill, yeah, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fierce. Hey, Pac-12 basketball is a total joke. Bill Walton called that game, and. He does not stop talking. He says the dumbest stuff you could ever imagine. Like, hey, and this guy's brother works at a bicycle shop. <laughs> and, I mean, look, he he needs to go away. I had to watch that game on mute. My beavers came out on top. F the Ducks and F you, Bill Walton. Um, okay, I got to get to the NBA, Bill, though. Okay, Bill Walton, though. You have your take on on him. I think that he's so out there that he's a little entertaining. But go on. I mean, I I, I get it from that perspective. But the minute you tie yourself to like Eugene he's on Oregon, he's on DMT, LSD, shrooms, yes, ketamine, everything <laughs> that makes your brain fall out of your head. He's on those drugs, no doubt about it. Um, and he loves Eugene, so go figure. Um, okay, so. I love this freaking question. Like this is, and and we actually talked about this the other day, ironically, um, with some other buddies. Um, so I'm going to first just talk about a few guys on NBA TV. Um, and I want to start with the players only broadcast. Um, what a cute little concept, but what a disaster that is. Every time it's it's not good. You watch uh, a players only podcast or a, a, a broadcast. So, first of all, Isaiah Thomas, I cannot stand before his he, takes. Before you even go into it, does he ever say anything other than, I played in the best generation, the most, no. fit, the most physical basketball players now aren't tough enough to play in the era I played in. It's like, yeah, LeBron James is literally shitting himself thinking about going against Bill Lambeer. Isaiah, get Look, real. Isaiah Thomas is the most monotone, boring human being, and he has the worst takes of all time. He was an awful coach, too. No one respected him as a coach. Oh, and remember he was GM for a while? How'd that go? It doesn't always translate. Just because you were a great player doesn't mean you're a great broadcaster, you're a good coach, you're good... GM, you're a good businessman. Like, hey, was Isaiah Thomas on the dream team? No, and why wasn't he? Because no one wanted him on there. MJ, who kind of led that, him and Scotty were just like, look, Isaiah Thomas is easily talented enough to be on that team, but we don't want to deal with him because with Isaiah comes drama. And you know who backed that statement? Magic, who was literally his best friend and would always kiss him on the cheek or whatever, which is weird, but whatever. Yeah, look, Isaiah Thomas. Um, Isaiah's got to go. Never, I've he never, is so bad. I've never liked Isaiah. I mean, who else? Is there All anyone the, on that that you like? 
all these guys are just kind of monotone, boring. Steve Smith, um, Dennis Scott, just don't like those those guys um, in in those roles. Uh, even Chris Weber, I don't love in that role. Uh, I like guys like uh, Rick Hamla. Um, Going going to ESPN. Hey, I like Kevin McHale actually. Kevin McHale does a decent job. He's the one guy that kind of holds that uh, players only broadcast together. Kevin McHale's good because not only was he a coach, but he's not afraid to call it how it is. Like I heard him do this bit on Markel Fultz, and he goes, "Look, guys, anyone that tells you this is injury related is just kidding themselves. This guy's got the yips." He's got a problem. It's all in his head, and hopefully he can fix it. You hate to see him struggle, but he's got the yips. Call it whatever you want, but this dude is a head case. Yeah. And I like hearing that rather than, oh, after a ninth MRI. And yeah. About, no, that's just give it to us how you see it. Give it to us straight. So a couple other guys that I wanted to mention. So I do like Reggie Miller enough. I think he does a pretty good job. Um, Doris, is it? Doris Burke, is that her name with ESPN? Doris isn't bad, actually. I really like her. Um, I think she does a really nice job. Grant Hill is okay. Like, he's tolerable. He's boring. He's pretty boring. Hey, Marv Albert I like. Hey, um, Marv Albert has some crazy stories. Oh, man. I don't I don't know that we can. We'll, we'll share that for another day. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see if we can turn that into the PG-13 version and share that someday. Um... Oh, hey, here's one. What's your take on Mark Jackson? Let me just let me just make myself throw up right now. Mark Jackson always points out the most obvious silly things. Wow, I tell you what. Westbrook's probably the most explosive athlete on the Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> you know, Steph Steph Curry is just a great shooter, and you can tell that by his percentages. What? Yeah, you're an analyst. Hey, he's what? The, he, he's he's literally the worst for me. Out of all of them we've talked about, and all of them on air, he is by far the worst. And guess what? He wasn't a good coach either. It wasn't until the Warriors fired him. And hired Steve Kerr. Look, Steve Kerr, all he does is is say, hey, look, go play. Because he knows how good they are. Mark Jackson, it was a, hey, no, no, we're running my system here, guys. We're going to do the defensive sets this way. We're going to do the offensive sets this way. Look, dude, cater to your players. They happen to be the hey, best shooters hey, in the history of the game. Play your best five, make the other team adapt. You know, Mark Jackson's trying to set up a defensive grinded out team with Steph Curry and Clay. And he even said himself, these guys will go down as the best one and two shooters all time. But then why don't you use them that way, Mark? And just his takes. They're so bad. They're just bad. It's like they're wrong. It's like, no, it's like when Skip Bayless says something that's ludicrous just to get a reaction out of you. Mark Jackson says that stuff like it's totally normal. And it's like, someone take the mic from him. You know, tell him to put his helmet back on. Okay? His time is done. He just needs to go away. Not every player needs to become a broadcaster. Hey, I do. Hey, honestly, though, NBA on TNT, those broadcasters. Love them. 
I love Shaq, and I love how Shaq has his own little vendettas where he goes, you know, and he hated that Dwight Howard tried to steal the tagline Superman from him. So he goes, oh, you know, is is Dwight Howard, you know, one of – and this was back when Dwight Howard was, you know, still a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. He goes, you know – Dwight Howard's probably the 13th best center in the league, right behind Robin Lopez. <laughs> so I, I like that stuff. I like Chuck. Charles Barkley says, he, so, sometimes he says things he's where... He's wrong sometimes. Yeah, sometimes he's just wrong. Where yeah. you go, Charles, you yeah, know. You're, dude, you're wrong on that. Like, but he, you like him. He, like he's talking about, same thing, his generation is so much better. It's like, sorry, there's nothing that Clyde Drexler did. There's no part of his game. That exceeds DeMar DeRozan. Like, yeah, what? Anyways, there are times where he's wrong. Ernie Johnson, honestly, is a good guy, and I like him. Love, I, love I like Ernie. his takes. He's pretty even kill. I like Jalen Rose, honestly, too. Jalen Rose is a great one. I, I really like him. So, J- Jalen's good, and I like Jalen Rose because he's really good at saying... Look, this is what we're witnessing right now is impressive. Yeah. He's not jumping on someone's back to dog on them. He evaluates what he sees. It just drives me crazy when some of these broadcasters have an agenda already. Yeah. Like you're saying with Isaiah Thomas, doesn't matter if Steph Curry puts up 50 points on 19 shots. Isaiah Thomas will say, "Well, he could never do that in the 80s. You couldn't <laughs> you couldn't do that against the Bad Boys Pistons." It's like, you're right, because Vinny, the microwave Johnson, is going to shut him down. Please. So uh, The other one I, that I like is Michelle Beadle. I think she does a good job. Because you think she's pretty and you like her more than a friend? Um, no, but uh, true story, um, a good buddy from Corvallis way back in the day was absolutely obsessed with this woman to the point where it got a little weird just in love with her but no i think she does a great job i think she's good i I like that story i like her takes but no all in all that question yeah there are a few that are just bad but they've also nailed it with jalen rose i I mean i like kevin McHale, doris you know what i mean like yeah there are a few that just do a really good job oh actually i love will bond Will Bond's solid. I don't even know. He's if not he, really calling NBA, but he used to though, right? Like a year ago, he was doing. Like I know he was doing the finals. Maybe he was. Yeah. But I liked Will Bond a lot. I mean, he was really partial to anything Chicago. But even still, I like him because I like when these broadcasters can admit when they're wrong, and it's not a big deal. Yeah. Not the Bad Boys Pistons. Well, the team that I was on. Isaiah, we literally can't handle you anymore. Kindly leave. I mean, look, Isaiah and Mark Jackson. I mean, that's that's where my real beef lies. Um, I literally have to watch it on mute. I just I gotta watch it on mute. But there's there's some good ones we touched on that. Uh, I actually really like that question. Sorry that it kind of got a little out of hand. Um, no, but when we're filling it, we gotta really, really get behind it. Yeah, hey, that's all the questions I think we have for today. We're going to do another mailbag. Probably try and do this maybe once a month or so. Yeah, just depending if we continue to get good feedback. Again, we appreciate everyone that's listening. 
you know, wherever you are, however you're listening, whatever, we're just, we're grateful for it. Again, this is totally for fun. It's therapeutic for us, but as always, we will give it to you real and we'll try to give you the most, give it to you the most raw way possible. And we'll try to also include a lot of unique stories that you don't get to see on NBA TV. You know, a lot of inside scoops, a lot of inside takes. And until next time.